the one clip of you calling out ESPN live on ESPN. It seems to me that ESPN would also have trouble being objective. We, we can agree to uh, disagree. No, ESPN hasn't had me back on since. You came up with some pretty clever, unique ways of getting these topics that are just so suppressed into the conversation. Two million ethnic minorities in East Turkestan, China, in, in concentration camps. There's nobody telling me what I can and can't say in that setting. Royce White, I think he's one of the most original thinkers in this country. Joining us now is activist, former NBA player Royce White. Did she help you shed light on the Federal Reserve? Absolutely not. She never mentioned the Federal Reserve. That highlights the corruption right there, I think. This black bourgeoisie. We can't criticize without being seen as hating black people, hating our own people. I think there's nothing more racist than that. You've been accused of hating black people? Absolutely. Such a great conversation with professional basketball player and activist Royce White, who keeps it way outside of the narrative. So here on YouTube, I have included a good chunk of the first part of our interview uh, talking about some of these important topics. But as the interview goes on, we get in deep into some very important topics that YouTube doesn't want you to know about. So I have nestled those topics safely on my uncensored website, ivoryhecker.com. You'll see the full extended 40-minute interview with Royce White digging into these important topics. So I hope you check that out, ivoryhecker.com. But I hope you enjoy the interview with him here on YouTube. Now, before we get to the full interview, I got to share with you one of my first advertisers. So excited to have these guys on board. So a study reveals some shocking facts about weight loss. The CDC says 49.1% of adults in the U.S. are obese. Nearly half of the country struggles with weight. How can that be? That is because the usual advice for weight loss doesn't work. The secret isn't in staying active and watching your diet. The secret is in keto with ivory. Routinely taking a few scoops helps melt fat, tone muscles, and reduce cravings. I highly recommend Keto with Ivory. Try it today for 51% off by going to ketowithivory.com. That is ketowithivory.com or visit the link in my description. Guys, I am thrilled to be joined today by professional basketball player Royce White. I don't think I've ever seen an athlete quite like you in that you are so outspoken outside of the narrative everything that athletes basically aren't supposed to talk about you're hitting head on and the one clip of you calling out ESPN live on ESPN. It seems to me that ESPN would also have trouble being objective seeing as how you guys have a billion dollar relationship that being ESPN and the NBA and you know talk is cheap. Mm -hmm. It's it's no longer good enough to be in a chaotic time and make the the symbolic gesture. All of us have a fiduciary responsibility to bring progress at a reasonable rate, and I don't think that we've done that. Right. I, I just, having been uh, involved a little bit to the extent of hosting the shows on E16 OTL, I can just tell you that corporate considerations were not part of the uh, editing process, reporting process. That, but we we can agree to uh, disagree. I thought I was the first one to do that, but you already had me by four years. Has ESPN ever let you back on air? Uh, well, first, you know, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm a fan of, of what you've been doing as well. And, and when I saw the clip of you calling out Fox on, uh, on live TV. I want to let you, the viewers, know that Fox Corp has been muzzling me to keep certain information from you, the viewers. It, it reminded me of my, of my uh, incident with ESPN. And no, ESPN hasn't had me back on since. In addition to uh, the time where I called out ESPN for having a a billion dollar relationship with Budweiser and the NBA being involved in that, that, that ecosystem. Uh, and, and that 
making it hard for them to have an objective conversation about mental health, seeing as how drug addiction and alcohol abuse and, and, and those conversations are so intrinsically tied to mental health and the crisis that we face. But I did an ESPN docu-series. So I've been on ESPN quite a lot and they've covered me in their journal, you know, in their, uh, their written pieces as well. And after I said that about Budweiser, done. It's all about those advertisers. Wow. And so most recently you've been really outspoken actually about black leaders. Yeah. And you marched, you were leading the march for George Floyd after his death. You've been active with Black Lives Matter. Yet right now you're calling out black leaders. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. God damn, man. Selling us out. Approximately 90% of NBA players are vaccinated against COVID-19. You think that the 10% should be let go? Uh, I think they should be disciplined. Uh, I don't think that they are uh, behaving like good teammates. This black bourgeoisie house Negro consortium of um, black men and women who claim to be in pursuit of freedom and justice for black America and all those other people who feel oppression. So what exactly are you saying? I, th- I think there's a lot of historical context that has to be sorted to, to really get to what it is that I'm saying, to, to put it shortly or to try and condense it. I would say that I was never black lives matter. I was never a part of the organization, black lives matter. Uh, I think there's two different black lives matter. I think there's Black Lives Matter, the idea, and then there's Black Lives Matter, the organization. And and the idea that Black people have faced a unique history in this country isn't really up for debate. That's something that we we have great historical document of. It can't be dismissed out of hand. I know that a, a lot of conservatives that I talk to are very upset and frustrated with the politicization or the media coverage or the media manipulation around black issues and, and, and the, the issues specifically that relate to cop and civilian uh, relations. But there's, there's a much broader historical conversation about what black people faced here in America and continue to face that you can't dismiss out of hand. You know, what unfolded after slavery, post-slavery, the deals that were cut post-slavery, the, the, the motivation, the spirit behind the deals that were cut post-slavery um, had, a, had an ongoing effect, had, had a lingering effect today. And we can't dismiss that. So, you know, that's, that's what I believe Black Lives Matter, the idea, represents. But the organization has been completely hijacked politically. Um, and not only have white liberals hijacked Black Lives Matter from a political standpoint, but there are plenty of black leaders who have always been preparing their resume to sell out their own community. And I think we have to acknowledge when we talk about social issues, especially from a demographic standpoint, whether it be race, sex, uh, you know, age, whatever, whatever the demographic you choose, there are always people who are willing to sell out their own demographic. Just so happens that we live in a society that's hyper-transactional, which makes it more, which creates a a greater potential or a greater desire or a greater opportunity 
for people to try and sell out or want to sell out or have the the desire to to sell out. And and I think selling out's at an all time high. Um, you know, we we see it on the left with this corrupt coalition that they call intersectionality of the LGBTQ community, the the feminist movement, um, and and BLM or the pro black movement, you could call it. And uh, there's just a lot of there's a lot of fundamental issues with the philosophy in that coalition, and and we've seen that firsthand as we were out there leading these protests for George Floyd. And in my interest in, in my interest in the George Floyd murder, were, was number one that my coworker Stephen Jackson uh, was a relative of George Floyd, and we played together in the Big Three. I'm younger than Stephen Jackson. I've always been a fan of Stephen Jackson. I think he is another athlete who tries to speak his mind within the context of being expected to only talk about certain issues. And, you know, somebody who he considers a brother was killed out on the street that I grew up near. Um, And, you know, it's our community, right? South Minneapolis is... As a community, we all played ball and we all grew up driving to or having a relative that lives there. There are people who live there that, you know, it's it's a real community. And we have communities like that all over the country. And what stuck out the most to me when George Floyd was murdered is that there's a monopoly on violence. Right. What do you mean by that? The state has a monopoly on violence. And I think this is where this is where the most this is where the biggest sleight of hand has taken place when it comes to Black Lives Matter the organization, the leaders who are at the forefront of that organization, their messaging and their wording and their sloganism. They, they don't want to talk about ideas like a monopoly on violence, because when you phrase it that way, when you say there's a monopoly on violence, it becomes very clear where the parameters are and what needs to take place to, to create any real substantive change, any transformative change. So when I say monopoly on violence, I mean that the state has the final say-so in uh, who, what, when, where, and how much violence is used, especially as it pertains to lethal force. And You mean officers using their weapons? In, some ca- in, 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 in the context of George Floyd's murder, yes, I mean that when we say the monopoly on violence, but as we sat down as an organization after George Floyd murder and tried to really think about what we, what the monopoly on violence really entails, it extends beyond the, the, the order of physical violence. And I think we're seeing that now with this pandemic in many ways, that, that the state has a monopoly on many different mechanisms or processes within our society, within our country, but within our society globally. And, and that monopoly isn't bad per se, it certainly becomes bad when you consider the corrupt element of these institutions that we live underneath. Oh, are you talking about use of force now with police in regards to COVID regulations? Well, is there use, it, there's use of force in many different issues. Yeah. Policing, yeah. there's use of force in jurisprudence, there's, there's use of force or, or what you could call violence or tyranny when it comes to the economy, which is why we marched to the Federal Reserve. They t- actually went to the Federal Reserve, and I said, wow, this is a guy to, to, to watch. There's all these monopolies that have manifested, and the, the monopoly isn't in and of itself bad per se, but corruption tends to manifest 
most in, in concentrated places of power. Okay, I want to talk about this march to the Federal Reserve because you were you were marching for George Floyd, mm-hmm. but you were marching to the Federal Reserve, right? Yeah. So you were you were marching for two causes really to raise awareness about not really. You think they're tied? They definitely are tied. I mean, that's the that's How the, so? that's what I mean. And and so we were you know as a black man when a black man is killed unarmed by a police officer and protests break out. If you're a black person and you participate in a protest, you are going to be surrounded by people who affiliate with Black Lives Matter, the organization, by default. That doesn't mean that I was Black Lives Matter. I'm not a part of that organization. I never have been. Black Lives Matter didn't show up when I went to go fight the NBA on mental health policy. Black Lives Matter isn't going to show up when I, when I get uh, censored off of ESPN for saying that they have an unholy relationship with Budweiser. Black Lives Matter isn't going to show up for any of that. And there's a reason. It's not by accident. It's the same reason that they wouldn't have led a protest that ever put any emphasis on the Federal Reserve. A is because many of the liberal institutions that have empowered the certain leaders from Black Lives Matter pick people who wouldn't understand the significance of the Federal Reserve, or they pick people who do know, but have already sold out and would never shed any light on it. It just so happened that all of the circumstances came together in this perfect way where it, this this murder of George Floyd happened in my community, and I was able to step to the front in a very natural, natural, universal way, physically, and take the lead on where where and, and how we went about protesting. So I was given the, the authority or the choice to say, where, where are we going to go? The Federal Reserve. You were so outside the narrative that in the heat of the horse pace conversation, you were photographed wearing a mask with the I word plastered across it.